that was your job. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about vigilance. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, it's uh, chapters 1, no, no, 2, 3, and 4. 2, 3, and 4. Um, normal rules apply, gentlemen. If you didn't read... 2, 3, and 4. 2, 3, and 4. What's chapter 5? Sanctions that detractions there. Yeah, I didn't do five. It goes all the way up to seven, I think. No, no. Zerzut starts at six. Two, three, and four. Two, three, four, and five. Yeah, I was surprised that it was the first time. I read that in the park in the cul-de-sac. Did you really? Yeah. No, I didn't do five. So you're going to have to tell me on five. So I think we've got already enough to keep us all night. So. But again, the normal normal rules apply. If you didn't read, you didn't study, then why don't you just absorb like a sponge tonight? So, Zehi Root, Zehi Root, vigilance. Um, Ramkal says that we should be making two assessments. What are they? Knowledge of what is good, what is evil. Okay, identify the true good. And the true evil. What's the second one? See, yes. See if your actions line up with that identity. Examine yeah. the deeds and categorize it as either evil or good. That's great. And that's the hard part. Yeah. Well, it is. So, so, what do we then need to do at the end of the day? Analyze our deeds. Introspection. We need to do that introspection. We need to analyze that. And what are we trying to figure out? Well, For the good stuff. Was it actually good? Was it actually good? And and, and, uh, right, how, and how to keep doing it? How to keep doing it? How, how, what can what can I do to promote doing this again? And you need to uplift that while you're while you're talking. Yeah, absolutely. Make it a big deal. So, um, uh, if you've had any interaction with uh, uh, the uh, ATI, everybody know the ATI? Mm-hmm. Um, Been through that course. Yeah. Um, what is it? Advanced Training Institute started by Bill Gothard. It's to be Dr. Uh, Dr. Gothard um, would talk in the in the um, in in his in his week long deal. He'd be talking about how we have patterns in life, and if we are journaling, then we would notice that maybe at, at this time of year we tend to fall into sin in a particular area, and it, and it seems to happen. Year consistently year after year so his his uh, instruction is that you need to you need to work especially hard at those times of year or at those seasons whatever they may be to try and break those patterns and create new patterns well it's, that's exactly what the Ram call is saying right we need to break the pattern of the evil stuff but with the good we need to promote it and see what we can do to do it more what about the evil side what do you say we need to do Think some tactics yeah come up with a tactic to avoid it Give me an example. Well, if you make some mistake with a girl in the elevator, then you wouldn't go in a girl with the elevator. There you go. Good, good, good. That's a good example. 
I do always tell you about that. That's right. Yeah. So the elevator opens up. There's a woman inside. She's by herself. She looks at you going down. You are going down. What do you say? You're going down to get him. <laughs> I'll take the next one. That's what you said. I'll take the next one. That's what I said. That's right. I got the next one. Yeah. Pit of destruction. I like that. I am going down. It's the pit. It's the pit. In, uh, in Eruvine 13b, uh, the Talmud says that a man should search his deeds and and there, the Ramchal was bringing out that he should feel, he should feel his deeds. Mm-hmm. It should be so close to him. So the two words there, pashpush and mashmush. Pashpush and mashmush. I didn't look at it in the Hebrew. Searching is the pashpush. <laughs> probing is the pashpush. Probing, right. Probing. So, yeah. So we want to, the searching was, was what? Searching is what? What are we searching for? Good or bad? Uh, you're searching for the bad. You're searching for the deeds that should not be done. You're searching for through your life for that day for the deeds that you shouldn't have done. Right, because a couple of times in here it mentioned that you're supposed to evaluate all your actions and try to find the good ones. I didn't get that from reading it. It seemed to focus almost exclusively on the bad ones. It actually the searching and probing is you search the good deeds to see if they're bad. No, no, no search the good deeds and see if there's, yeah, if there's yeah, any wrong, wrong motive. Yeah. Right. See if, see if right. it's done with true yeah. goodness. Right, you want to get the right enough. motive right. so that you can make it gooder. Yeah. Right. That's a, so that but it's not promoting right. the good things you did. When you it's get to zero, the bad zero. things you did. Yeah, well, the second thing... This is stopping the bad. When you get to zero, then it's moving into the positive. Right. we're not there yet. So right now, we're searching the good to see if it could, if it was done with proper motives. Otherwise, it was good, but it could be gooder. And then the probing of the deeds is, uh, of the good deeds, is to see if it was done with improper, searching the deeds that should not be done and probing the deeds to see if they're done with the right motives. So you've, you've, you've got that whole thing. And uh, I've got you, then you, and then you. So yes, sir. I think it was in the letter for the ages that he was detailing, um, he was expanding upon one of the verses in it where um, this rabbi would. He was talking about this very same level of introspection, and in it he would say, okay, I'm setting aside three times per day, actually, to analyze my deeds, because when is a good time to do that? Well, at meals. Okay, so everything you did up until you sit down to breakfast, how'd you do? Did you pray shakari? Did you rap? Did you, you know, say shema and, and everything like that? Good to go. All right. Head off to work, you know, kiss the wife and kids goodbye, and you're, and you're, you're working, people are aggravating you all morning. How'd you do at lunchtime? You know, sit down and figure it out at lunchtime. You've got that time to introspection. And then just before, you know, dinner or bed, there's a third time in the day to do that. Yeah, so it, that's I thought good. that was really neat, and I think it parallels this. Yeah. So we're searching the deeds that we did that should not have been done, because I said it backwards a minute ago, the deeds that should not have been done. So we're looking for the bad stuff. And then the probing is for the, probing the good deeds and feeling uh, like buying a garment uh, for improper motives. Cool. Um, one thing it didn't talk about in here was... A little louder. I need to get it on the tape here. One thing it didn't talk about was like things you didn't do. So like you didn't say Birkat. Right, you left something out. Yeah, I didn't see that out. in here, but that's been coming to mind a lot. 
Um, we could like, do that in chapter like, six. Didn't do F- omission, omission. commandment. Omissions. Yeah. So, yeah. Good. I didn't see that anyway. Good. To Joshua's point about it not talking about focusing on the good, that's um, a later addition to that idea by Nachman, which is which is why I said to it because ah, okay. Nachman uh, made a point to say that you can't correct yourself incorrectly. If you correct yourself um, and it brings you down, like it right. makes you sad, then you won't repent. Right. And so that's why he would say every time you do this kind of thing, you also focus on all the good so that you're brought back up like, yeah, I still have a chance I can make this right. Because that was something that like, um, reading through these chapters, and I don't mean to like kick off a, a rabbit trail here, but reading through these chapters, um, I have to say that like analytics, um, thinking, introspection, comes really naturally to me. I mean, it's sort of on the fly. I'm thinking about 90% of what I do as it happens. Um, But for me, I've actually been trying over the last year to do that less because it ended up becoming like a real cause of stress, depression, despair, frustration, guilt, regret, like all the negative stuff associated with it. Um, And when I was reading these chapters, basically it sounds like a lot of the lifestyle that I was leading, which is a whole lot more depressed, well, and obviously I'm doing it wrong, but I don't know like how to do it right. Yeah, well, I, I um, since we've talked, it's hard for me not to um, say things out of context here that would would not be be right. But my sense would be, as he as he brings us to the Torah, we're strictly looking at: is it good, or is it evil? Not is it going to affect this person this way. Are they going to react that way? That's not into it. It's good or bad. And I think that makes it a much cleaner identification, at least in the beginning, so to perhaps get started. One of the great things that Peter just brought up, Rabbi Nachman, one of the great things that Rabbi Nachman and Breslov in general brings to the table, I don't know if it's discussed in this, but it's the importance that you actually do good deeds. So... The good that you do is actually good by definition. So, because I know that some of us perhaps come from a background where you can't necessarily actually do good things. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's it's a deferred good to where whatever you do is somewhat irrelevant. It's you know all just you know looking off into somebody else. But in this equation, part of hipotodu and part of introspection is to recognize the good that you did do so that you don't fall into despair. So suppose you have a huge sin that you commit. Instead of, you know you committed a sin. You don't need to sit there and pick apart the scenario. Focus on, oh man, I just did a huge sin. But, you know, Bruch Hashem, I wrapped film today. I prayed Mincha. I did all of these things. That's, that's good. And just thinking about the good will motivate you to continue doing that good. Right. So I think there's a time and a place for each. To where you're examining your good, you're like, well, I definitely did not have good motives doing that. But then there's a time to say, regardless of motives, I prayed, I prayed Shakarit this morning. Amen. And that's a good thing. Hashem is still with me. He still loves me. Amen. So. Right, so, I beg your pardon. That's one thing to say, just talk about after a sin, is when the evil inclination really kicks in. Depression, mm-hmm. doubt, all that stuff. Which is why they, the, I think it's Mac Myers, just focus on the good deed or the bad deed admit it but then you have to move on yeah. why we see David being so joyful sure. a lot of the times yeah. after he was quick to repent 
No, it's the same yeah. thing as when we finish Yom Kippur. The fast is over. What's the first thing we're supposed to do? Eat. No. Yeah. No, drive the first nail of your sukkah. First nail of the sukkah, right? Because one mitzvah leads to another. And it's the same Before thing, Before you right? even break the fast. So the, the bad that we did, we don't want to dwell on that because the bad is going to lead to more bad. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're, we're going to spiral down. So if you bust that by either focusing on the good you already did or doing more good, you're good. Yeah. Confession and repentance also actually, as they say, um, it eliminates accusers in the heavenly court. So there's no double jeopardy. I was... uh, I was surprised. Um, And you may not be there yet. Quite frankly, you may not be there. And that's okay if you're not here. But he's writing to us, as it were, and basically it's forget the transgression or the sin. We're already supposed to be beyond that. Right? It's, this is not how to become a tzaddik. This is the tzaddik's guide to become the okay. holy man. Right? Mm. So he's not even going through sin and transgression. He's actually talking about bad habits and good character traits. So we're a level above and beyond the normal Sunday school stuff and, and, and whatnot. Okay? Does everybody understand that? Yeah. Okay. So that, I think that's uh, important. How often does he recommend that we do this introspection or this uh, Every review? Day. Every day. Every day. Every minimum. Day. Every day. carving out. A specific time every day, and he's he's saying an hour at least an hour. Yeah, that's if you can't do an hour, do at least something. But the goal is an hour. Yeah, for those of you who have commutes, that can be very wise time. Good, good, good time to turn the unless, your soul, unless, unless your soul leaves. Unless your soul leaves. That's, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have no choice. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, hey, a lot of you. Before, can you can you say the thing about like every night and then the page being just turned away? Yeah, say that thing, dude. That's uh, yeah, thing. say that. Yeah, well, that's all the time. You're supposed you're supposed to, according to the wrong call, just do your accounting every night for at least an hour. But um, I think it's Nachman who who brings in that you uh, you can't be judged twice, like uh, John, John Johnny was just saying. I can't. Be judged by the heavenly court and by yourself. So if you judge yourself, then the heavenly court ignores that day. And so Arush brings down that if you that every day that it says that you did get voted to, then the uh, heavenly court just skips that page when they are looking through your deeds at the end of your life. There's some significant motivation. Because, <laughs> yeah, allies, you know. because that's because <clears throat> it makes a whole lot of sense. It does. Talmud says that as soon as you were regret a sin that it's immediately forgiven yeah so the fact that you actually went through all your deeds that day means that you cared about doing the right thing like Hashem doesn't care as much that you made the mistake or that you did the right thing as long as like you were going in that direction right, right. so if you're doing that every single day you know heavenly court does not need to get into what you did that day obviously you're still trying to move towards Hashem oh, Amen. I know this is going to take forever but I'd, I'd rather have I'd rather have the discussion than have me sit up here and pontificate ad nauseum. You, you, you. Yes. Um, Hypnotic is tough to do, especially if you have a busy schedule. But I can't 
overemphasize how critical it is because I've just had heard so many stories. And one of the coolest stories was by Mayor Alphabas, who is, he lives in Jerusalem. Um, and he was telling a story. He has a, a SoundCloud thing yeah. where he, he'll go through different yeah. lessons. Yeah. yeah. And he was saying that um, on Rosh Hashanah, he went to um, Uman, which is Rebbe Nachman's graves, and actually Davin for a couple of us in the Tzadik house here, which is cool. Um, so, Baruch Hashem. So, anyway, he went to Uman, and he said he met a guy there from Florida, uh, from Boca Raton, Florida. And he's like, well, how did you get here? And he's like, oh, I tell you what, I grew up in an Orthodox home, and, you know, got married, <laughs> fell into <laughs> substance abuse. Ooh. In an Orthodox home, because apparently that's actually somewhat common for that to happen. I don't know how. Anyway, like 20 years, this guy was lost his wife, lost his kids, lost his house, lost everything. And he, his dad was a rabbi, and uh, he said, you know, well, you know what will get you out of this? Just study a page of the Gemara every day, this, which is the, the daily doth. Just study a page of the Gemara every day, every day, every day. And it just didn't help him. And so he was asking him, so, okay, so what happened? Like, how, how'd you get back? Like, how'd you get out? He's like, I got a hold of the Garden of Emunah. Wow. And I learned the, the, about Hitbodadu, and I started doing that. Now I've got my wife back, got my kids back, I'm back on my feet, got a great job, and I'm, I've come here, this is the first time I've been to Uman, you know, pay my respects. So it's just, like, incredible Woo! that... This it's you think it's like a really simple concept. Oh, you just at the end of the day you take account of your deeds. It's unbelievable how much that affects in the heavenly realm that will change your life. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I, I I mean I do at least I picked up here that we do have to have this um, this approach with respect to the our evil deeds, right? Um, we have to have an understanding or a, uh, I mean, ultimately, it leads to fear of sin, which is another attribute all of, right. of itself. Right. But the point being that um, we have to take even the smallest sin, as it were, seriously, right? Mm-hmm. And, we, and, and he, he goes and he talks about how um, you know, when you stand before uh, the, you know, when you stand for the divine judgment, that they're not, you know, the court is not just going to gloss over the small stuff and just focus on the big he stuff. He did that towards the end there between yeah. uh, justice and mercy. Right. He was making it clear. Hey, right. he can't skip stuff. Right. So, so there is this balance of, um, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to overly dwell on the wicked deeds that we've done, but by the same token, you can't just kind of sweep that under the rug. You have to acknowledge right? it. You have well, you have to acknowledge it. You have to confess it. You have to repent from it, and then you have to contemplate how, how do can I, I avoid this? how do I yeah, correct this? Because yeah, we don't want to do this twice. Right, and that you know, and and um, so you have to think about it enough. To at least go through that series of of contemplations, yeah. um, but um, but you know, uh, I mean, it's just like Messiah Yeshua said, right? Judge yourselves, lest you, lest be, you judged. be judged. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's a um, 
a lot of you know Rabbi Shalom Arusha's books and everything at this point. Um, I'm currently reading In Garden Fields, and it's completely about Hitpo the Duke. And you want to step up your prayer life? Read that book. It's incredible. Okay. He, uh, the Ramkal, uh, sort of like inserted, um, at least what I saw, inserted this little encouragement. Uh, maybe it was just that I needed encouragement at that time. Um, do you remember why we should be encouraged with regard to reviewing our sins, reviewing our deeds, and all of that? Where, where he was coming from? Do you recall? Can you hear the story? No, it wasn't a story. He, uh, he had a lot of stories there, didn't he? Um, but he made it clear, you wouldn't even be thinking about this stuff unless you had already escaped the domination of the Yetzir Hurrah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that, isn't that what we presumably all have in common in this class? Is that we desire to do right. We desire to be righteous men. And this book and this man are motivating us to move to the next level, which is not just a righteous man, but that next step of one who is actually focused on the higher good. So what is that higher good? We're moving from focusing on doing what's right and not doing what's wrong. And what's the, what's the ultimate good? That he describes there. Do you remember? Towards the end of the uh, fourth chapter, I think it is, or the third or fourth chapter. I think it's the fourth chapter. Um, he he breaks the uh, the world down into three groups. Oh yeah, the motivations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what's what's the first group? Love of Hashem. What's their What's their ultimate goal? To perfect themselves. That's it, right? And to be close to Hashem because they've been perfected. They are the kedoshim. They're the holy ones. What's that next level down? Because I I kind of felt like I was I was in there. They're motivated by the honor exactly. that they want to have in the world to come. You'd be shamed if you get there and you're like, oh, this is all I get. It's, it's, I mean, I, it's a wake I, up to those people who like their standard where they yeah. where they would be. Yeah, but I, I, guys, I just want to be you know brutally honest with I you. That was least of the honest. kingdom kind of thing. That's 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 where I felt I was. I want to be close. Don't get me wrong. I want to be close to Hashem. But you want to that's be in there enough of the motivating factor. That's yeah. That's not the motivator. For, that hasn't been the motivator. I'm going to try and make that the motivator for me, but. The, the, one, the guys that are in that top shelf are horrified at the thought of missing out on an opportunity to draw that much closer. A hair's breadth. Yeah. A hair's breadth. And he uses a guy who's got this unknown disease and is going to die, and he will do anything to find a cure. And that cure is to draw close to Hashem. That's, that's that top level. And when I read that, I thought... To, I want that to be me, but that's not me yet. Mm. I wish it were me, but it's not me yet. I, I don't think I've been motivated by having honor in the world to come. I'm grateful to be in the world to come, 
But I, I, I felt like I had to put myself in the second group, not the first group. And I, maybe it was pride, but I, I didn't think I was in the bottom group. What was the bottom group about? For reward and punishment. Yeah. Measures avoiding punishment. Yeah. Punishment now, right? And reward later. But punishment now is what they were concerned about primarily. And lack, maybe, of reward later. Yeah. Yeah, I think in contrast with the second group, yeah. um, the considerations for their level or whatever in the world to come, it where I come from, from years and years in the church, it, yeah, was, right. it was almost like that conversation that the mother had about where the kid's going to sit, mm-hmm. as if it was a negative right thing. Yeah. But it should be a concern. Um, I, was it yeah, well, the, right. The, the, my son's the left hand. Sons of thunder. The thing that I picked up in, this, in that whole kind of part of the discussion was the consistency again with the, with the teachings of Messiah and the Apostolic Scriptures, which clearly teach that your reward in Olam Haba is entirely dependent on your, your deeds in here. this. That's exactly right. World. It's exactly right. Right now, your your entrance into the world different matter. Different matter. Different, but your the extent of your reward is completely um, aligned with and commensurate with your deeds. In Every man, yeah, which, which, which is clear now, deeds. but is not focused on where I come from at all. Right. 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 Yeah, I, I just, because I mean, that means you learned something about it. Right. I had to say, yeah. even like reading through that in the sections, it was actually. He's encouraging us. He's he's talking about how like, oh, you're gonna feel so miserable when the guy next door has his mansion four times your size because he was more what, godly what than you. What was that? The, the uh, canopy you're burned. The canopy, by the canopy of fire. Yeah, just singeing your friend. <laughs> yeah, your fellow gets singed. It was almost like hard for me to wrap my head around that concept because I, I was so trained that well, a you're in your in a a, a right. you're in your in and b. You're never in competition with other believers. Uh-huh. Anytime you're looking for more like jealousy, like that's so sinful. Yeah. Right, I, right. So I mean Yeah, it seems so outside what we learned. Right. Like you said. I've got the fire insurance. Uh, now I can live well, life hell no, because no, I'm heading to heaven. But that's not even like like I grew up even with a different perspective where it's like you don't want to do that, but but the only motive that's legitimate is love of Hashem. Anything else is almost makes it a sin to right. do it. Yeah. Right. It, it tarnishes it. Yeah. But that, but that, but therein lies the nuance here, right? Because if you are doing good deeds as competition, right, looking for the honor in the world to come, then you, you know, I mean, kick your butt and take your seats. You're you're still not there, yeah. right? Well, I mean, right? Because until your good deeds are done out of pure motive, yes, right, then. I mean, not that the other ones aren't still good deeds, right? I mean, the guy who gives a million dollars to, you know, to find a cure for cancer, even though he did it in order to get his name on the side of the hospital, he still, right? he still gave a million dollars to help to help people with cancer, right? That's a good deed. You can't call it anything other than a good deed. But his motivation in that deed has issues. Well, I guess exactly. this is surprising, though, that the motive for the honor thing is number two. It's a step up. Like, from, from where I'm coming punishment? from, it's a negative one. Yeah. Oh. It's like, it would be better to be afraid of, re- of punishment and to want reward than it would be to yeah. be compet- competing but, with somebody else. But if we truly yeah. look at the apostolic scriptures, that's not the way it's presented. 
there really is a, or it ought to be, the master is implying, a desire to be honored, to have mm -hmm. him say, well done, you, good and faithful servant. To be last, so you can be first. Exactly, because you want to be first. Yeah, you know, so maybe you, maybe like me, you kind of put yourself in the second channel instead of in the top channel. That's okay. We, we are striving for the second channel. And maybe, you know, really you just don't want to get singed or something and, you, you know, you prefer not I into just, a... I just found it unique. Just it, it, it was totally unique to me. To it was great. off the fence and start doing something. Well, it got me off balance is what yeah. it did for me, right? It just took me, it just made me wobble with, whoa. But like, you know, it's, you know, not, it's true. I've not heard this before. This is a great perspective. I liked... The Garden Maze. I love that. Yes. How cool was that? Yes. 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 All right, so so for the, for the folks in Gastonia that are watching and didn't get a chance to read this chapter, Stoke. tell me about the Garden Maze. A little bit, a little bit, and we'll go around. So no, that don't don't have anybody divulge the whole deal. Well, then you'd have to start with the quote, right? Give us the quote. Yes, so. which is start with chapter. that we're walking in darkness. Well, the quote is is in Numbers twenty one. 27, which I just happen to have. Which says, what does it say? Do you want to read that? Yes. Regarding... And I, I actually, you know, 27 through 30 is actually a little poem in yeah. Numbers. And if, if you didn't get the context and didn't get a chance to pull out your Bible, the, the uh, children of Israel are cutting across the desert and they're asking various kings, hey, or people groups, we'd like to jump through your backyard here on our way to the promised land we won't turn left or right we won't eat anything we will oh you know we just, whatever we drink we'll pay for kind of thing and um, when they got to, to the Amorites the king Sichon said you're not coming through my place and and Israel fought them and Israel took all these cities, and Israel settled in all the cities of the Amorites, in Heshbon and in all its villages, for Heshbon was the city of Sichon, the king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab. And now the poem is actually not about what the Israelites did, I didn't know this until now, thank you Ramkal, but actually about what Sichon did to the Moabites. And he had taken all of the Moabites' land out of his hand as far as the Arnon. Therefore, the ballad singers of the Amori, the Amorites, say, and this is the verse, Come to Heshbon, let it be built. Let the city of Sichon be established. The king that just won the battle. For they came out from Heshbon, flame from the city of Sichon, it devoured Ar of Moab and swallowed the heights of the Arnon. Woe to you, O Moab! You are undone, O people of Chemosh. He has made his sons fugitives and his daughters captives to an Amorite king, Sichon. And the last line is actually about Israel. So, we overthrew them! Cheshbon, as far as Debon, perished, and we laid waste as far as Nopha, fire spread as far as Mediba. That, so, the, just to get it in context. I know, but that's part of the point, is that we don't look at the context. 
I wanted to look at the context because I didn't know the context Understood. prior to reading this. It's now, the line you were looking the for... In Gastonia because it's not about the context. That doesn't follow the harmonic. This is not about the context. What I just said was about the context so that we are studying the Torah. Now, to now, your so point, we'll, we'll go back to verse thir- 27. <laughs> Therefore, the ballad singers say... Come to Heshbon, let it be built. Let the city of Sichon be established. Which is a play on words. Yes. Because Heshbon is the name of the city. And it also means accounting. Exactly. Or receipt. And the word Moshlin means poets, but it also can mean rulers. In modern, so, in modern Hebrew, if you go to pay your bill, you get your Heshbon. So, but the sages, taking the verse completely out of context decided to make it about people who rule their Yitzhara. And so the rulers say, come to Cheshbon, meaning come make an accounting of your deeds, weigh a mitzvah against the good, the good against the mitzvah against the bad. Right, the price of a mitzvah against the cost of sin, or, I mean, it's... A mitzvah's it, loss against its profit versus Right, profit against the sin, right. So, so now we've got so that was Come. right. So that was an intro, and then the garden maze is saying, "Well, the, who are the rulers?" And the idea is that we're all in the garden maze, and we don't know how to get to the. Pavilion. Does everybody get that? We're in the garden maze, and we don't know how to get through it to get to the center. There's only see. one way to get to the pavilion, but there are men who have already overcome the Yetzirah completely, and they're at the pavilion. And they see the whole maze before them. They're in what he called an exalted position. Yeah. They're up higher. They can see all the paths exactly. within, the, exactly. within the maze. And how some of them lead to the wrong place or some of them and stuff like that. And they're the ones calling come to Cheshbon, come make an accounting. They're saying the one thing that's common to all the paths, there might be different paths for each person to take to get to the pavilion, but the one thing that's common in repentance is to make an accounting. So, that's kind of an important step. So, depending on where you start the maze, there's a different path for you than there may be for me. I've got different sins, quirks, problems, issues that we could go on until the morning about, whereas this young lad has few, if any, of those. So we start from different parts as we enter the maze. So we may have different paths, but we all are heading for the same goal. Are closeness the, with Hashem and the method is accounting. Are the people in the center anybody who has overcome the Yitzhah? Okay, it's the Zadikim. Zadikim. And So that brings up a really good point. Yeah, is that this is a whole different, this is a whole world. Yeah. It's kind of like this premise of you put your trust in the Zadikim. Yes. The Zadikim of have overcome, see. they know. They can, can they can guide you. And he talks about those who are foolish and don't want to heed yeah, yeah. or hear the direction from those who are in an exalted place. And then there's the wise people who do listen, who do heed mm-hmm. and make it through the maze. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that exactly that reminded me of what Solomon says in Proverbs about heeding the voice of, of wisdom versus heeding the voice of. I think specifically he's talking about the harlot. But, yeah, yeah, but it's the same deal. But it's the same foolish. Deal. The so foolish. it was like turn, like turn this way. You know, you know stolen water is sweet, and you know all that stuff. So right. Ron Call only talks about the the Zaydi 
is that Akeem who are telling you which way to go, but it also sounds like, I mean, you could potentially say there could be other people saying, other voices. Go this way, and it's, it's the wrong way. But to also quote, I think it's another quote from Solomon, who is wise? Yeah. I'm, well, I mean that. Who is wise? Tzadikim. Having seen them. Who are the Tzadikim? You have to dive into No, what I'm saying is like, I mean, that I think is part of one of the biggest questions I think that comes out of this watchfulness thing is, I mean, I don't know about you, but if you examine your deeds really closely, I can find possibly something wrong with 90% of the things I do during a day. Sure. But knowing if it's right or wrong is a totally different which issue. Which is the first step that he described, which is another, this goes back to the same yeah. thing, was to, you have to determine what is right. right. What's good and what's evil. If what you did was wrong. Yeah. And so if you don't have a complete standard right. to live by, then yeah, you will flounder. Yeah. And, and, and he speaks about starting with studying how do we how does the next step right how do we get Zehirut we have to study the Torah because it begins with knowing good from evil but I do think it raises some questions about like your as you put it like your um, the standard you're using because if you take like there are different ways like conclusions you can reach from studying Torah like you can study Torah and make sure not to break you know major obvious commandments but it's like the other step, and you, it gets more and more intense depending on how deep into orthodoxy you go. But like the ultimate step is like a, um, a what's the word I'm looking for? Um, basically, if I don't know that it's good, it's bad. So if you take that perspective, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, what, how, I guess what I'm trying to get at is how, where do you figure that out, or who do you talk to to figure that out? I mean, it seems to me that from this guy's perspective, the only option is Orthodox Judaism. Yeah. And you have to have a rabbi who can walk you through the nuance of day-to-day life. He talks about that in chapter 6. Yeah, I don't don't know that you need a rabbi, but certainly listening to the wise men is what that whole garden thing is all about. But even if you want to go completely more basic than that, it's simply you have to know what you're going to call right and wrong. Like, that's not what he wants you to do. The wrong call obviously wants you to listen to the Tzadikim. But to make an accounting, you have to decide completely what's right and wrong before you go anywhere, right? That's a really hard thing to do, though. So well, it might help to turn to some Tzadikim. <laughs> that's true. It's but, quite simple. But that's also, um, that's also where, <clears throat> at least within Orthodox Judaism, uh, having having Jewish law as your starting point does cover everything kind of kind of doesn't necessarily cover all the nuance that you might encounter most most everything from it, the get-go it, is it, fixed it, it covers a broad sure. swath of you yeah. know, which is why you know again I'm I'm reminded of some of the, some of the biographies that I've read in the last couple of years and the biography of Rabbi Yashiv who was just so totally focused on uh, studying the Torah, which, by the way, Ron Kahl says, you know, that's the way. That's the key. That's the key, right? But Rav Shiv would, um, he spent hours and hours and hours a day studying, which, you know, most of us aren't going to have that opportunity to do that. But, but he was so that when we talk about, you know, hiding, you know, the Word of God in our hearts, you know, and... And, I mean, he, he not only had Tanakh basically committed to memory, 
he had large sections of Gemara, you know, mm. and other halakhic works and whatever committed to memory yeah. that he could just recall. And so, when when he would be encountered with a situation, uh, or when somebody would come to him for counsel and they would describe a situation, he's got the answer. He would, he without emotion, and some people would get sort of put off by him because they felt like he didn't care because he never expressed any real emotion because he completely relied on his understanding of the Torah. So when somebody presented a problem in a situation, he said, here's the answer. Here's, here's, here's the citations that support why right. that's the answer. Have a nice day. Yeah, move on. Right. Uh, and... And, but it was, and some people would say, well, that was callous, that was cold, you know, insincere. But to me, I look at that and I'm like, wow. He has so much confidence. It's a righteous judge. In the right way to go and, and the right way to handle the situation because of his total knowledge of how to, of, and understanding of the word and how to apply it, that there was never any fear, there was never any. Uh, chance for bias. I mean, it was just this is what the this is the halacha. Walk you in it. Good. Not to get into the next subject. Good. But to get into the next, that's all I have to say. But your question is um, will be addressed in subsequent chapters. I haven't really gotten too far into it, but I do know that in chapter 6 he talks about um, going the positive side of this because a lot of this is looking at it in so-called negative, but in the positive side uh, of alacrity, one of the things he talks about is Torah study, and suppose that somebody you know, he, he, he references a lazy person and if somebody's lazy and they don't really do a lot of Torah study um, then if somebody comes to them for a, a halakhic ruling, there are several things that could go wrong there. One, he doesn't even understand halakha, so he's like, ah, he may make a wrong ruling. So not only one, he's, bad thing number one, he doesn't understand halakha. Bad thing number two, he just gave a wrong Leading ruling. Somebody else bad thing number three, he just calls this person to violate a rabbinic prohibition. And it says specifically rabbinic prohibition, not even a biblical prohibition. It talks about why. So I think that can apply to a lot of us here who have kind of a late start to the whole Torah understanding, because a lot of these guys study the Torah from you know, the moment that they can read. Four, four they're, studying, they're studying Vayikra, uh, and we're sitting here reciting Bible songs, and so we've got to step behind. So he says, in the case of that, don't try to do it on your own. Go to a halakhic authority instead of trying to determine and making a wrong decision. Yeah. Um, my take. One sec. My take on, on your comment is I get it. Um, but I don't think we want to use that as an excuse not to move forward. And to me, to move forward, you, you quoted it. Hide his word in your heart that you might not sin against it. Period. So if you got the entire Torah memorized, the Tanakh would be better. But if you got the, at least the Torah memorized, I think it's a good start. And you can worry about the halakha and whether or not the rabbis have got it together and whether or not it should be orthodox reformed or later. Yeah, it's a good start. So, there we go. Oh, what? Yeah. Another minute.
major deterrent is also to, I think it's in the letter for the ages or the Pirkei Avot, I think, where it's to imagine as if it is the Holy One, blessed is he, before, before whom you are always standing. Yeah. That will, that's a good deterrent for... Well, it's a deterrent from bad action, but again, you still have to know what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? True. So that's the well, deal that's there. Right. So, I, I think the the shocker to me in reading the garden is I was just really encouraged by it, and I thought that's that's really neat. I want to be on the top of the maze. I mean, I guess that's because of the honor. But I don't want it to be for the honor. So pray for me, okay? Pray for yourself. Um, so, so, you know. Pray for me that what you have said might not come upon That's me. right, yeah. Um, but He doesn't talk about phase two being bad. Do what I say, but not what I do. Yeah, yeah. I, he says it's phase gonna, two. Yeah. <laughs> phase two. I guess like, you'd rather be in phase one. But that's phase two. <laughs> well, you know, the guy elevated up there is out of the maze. Out of the maze. Out of the maze, yeah. So, and at any rate, the thing that I did get that I know is not tainted by my pride and, and sin is he makes it clear that we have a responsibility, regardless of where we are, to lead those that are not as far as we. So, some degree, you're. You're at, for them, you're at the elevated position. We have to lead others who are blinded. So we need to be able to bring them at least as far as we have gone. So if they don't even know that there is a garden maze, if they don't even know that they're in this world and that there is a God, if they don't even know that there is a way to get through the maze to the pavilion, we are the ones that are responsible to tell them. I mean, it's just like at the beginning of 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 the Shakari prayers. Who is going to praise him? Who is going to laud his name? It, it's it's all those four those four guys. I have a question about something you said. So right here he says, uh, this is chapter three. Um, one who has I don't know where what page it's on. Um, sorry, wow. one who has not yet become. Is that a camera? You have the location card? <laughs> <laughs> One who has not yet become ruler over his evil inclination is still among the paths. So earlier you had said that mm. even if we're here, shows that we've, I guess, we're not ensnared by the evil inclination, but we're still not ruling over it. Well, the way he Coming put it that. was um, that we should be encouraged because we wouldn't be even thinking about these matters unless we had escaped the domination okay, of the Yetzirah. It's not that it's we've got it mastered. It's that it doesn't dominate us more than it does. Okay. Right? And, I, and just kind of on that same thought because uh, you know, I, I think about somebody like Rob Scholl who clearly you know, had a, was a Zadik but, you know, among Zadi Kim and, you know, knew the scripture inside and out, had a relationship with Hashem, et cetera, et cetera. Handpicked. And, and handpicked, right. <laughs> and yet, he said, you know, 
things I don't want to do, I do. do the yeah. things I do so, want to do, I don't. Which is, which is saying that even he still, at, at least at some level, right. uh, still had to wrestle with the Yetzirah. So when we say having mastery over the Yetzirah, I think, you know, I, at least my view, current view, is that that doesn't mean, I mean, even, so even the, the, you know, the can it be a fire? <laughs> the the holiest of the Kedoshim, you know, is still going to have um, have you know a yeah. struggle yeah. with the Yetzirah, but he has mastered it to the point where it doesn't. Well, he, uh, he's mastered it to the point where you know who to bet on. Right. Right. But right. but even Paul told us why that still happens. Even to these righteous, godly men, right. it's because we're still in this body. And he says, "A wretched body right. who will save me." Blessed be the, our Master, Yeshua the Messiah. Right. Yeah. So there's going to be that that struggle for sure. Right. So the point being that when we talk about perfecting ourselves, you know what what's what is the what is that standard of perfection look like? Yeah. Does it does it mean you have absolutely no ever issue anymore with Yetzirah? I don't think so. I don't think that's 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 the definition of perfection. And, and you've read more of the the lives of the more recent sages than anybody here, right? And you you know better than the rest that they still struggled with things that sure. they, they they shared and talked about <clears throat> amongst their friends and whatnot. But it, it's interesting to me that you know they could be struggling over the fact that they neglected, you know, to to properly close out one prayer during the day where, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Yeah, so, but yeah, it's, uh, I think the Masters uh, made it clear that that's, that is our goal. That is what this walk here in this vestibule, remember last week? That's what the walk here is all about. How are we going to get across the vestibule into the ballroom, which is the world to come? How are we going to do that? Not how can we make it, but what will our deeds be like as we walk across that vestibule? And I think the Master made it clear in two ways, using Paul as well, that God works in us to perfect us. And at the same time, He is expecting and demanding that we will work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's a two-way street. As we move forward, he assists. So, um, what is the secret of success in everything a wise man does? In everything a wise man does. What's the secret of success? What's he do? Daily reflection on his deeds. Thank you very much. Daily reflection. There you go. And uh, everyone says that too. Yeah. All all the great Sadakim said that they didn't reach the level they got to except by the food. Yeah. Well, in in that whole concept of you know of the of the constant really you know introspection, it, it reminds me you know of the drosh uh, regarding. Israel, right? Regarding the changing of Yaakov's name to mm. Israel, right? Mm. 
because how, how, why did God, why did the, you know, the messenger, as it were, uh, change his name? It was because he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, right? And he was tenacious about it, and he held on all through the night and refused to let go. And right before dawn, finally, you know, the angel... Cheated. You know, (laughs) the angel, you know, essentially relents and says, okay, fine, I'll give you a blessing. What's your name, Yaakov? No longer will you be called Yaakov, but you'll be called Israel, right? Because you wrestled with God. And so who is Israel? It's those who are genuinely wrestling with God. And this is what this is all about. The daily accounting. If you if you're if you don't really care, then you're probably not really you're not wrestling with these these issues. You're not trying to figure out how to how to perfect yourself. Room, tent, hut! I I got a chair here. Then I'll sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it kind of harkened back to that drosh for me because it's all about that that genuine, you know, struggling with God, right? Um, So yeah, that's good. That's very good. That's good. Welcome, Captain. Well, thank you very much. Glad you're here. It's it always. Mm Better late than never. It always Better encourages and warms my heart that amidst a tough day and schedule, you it was uh, actually your you <laughs> actually try and and do your best well, to get here, and it's a great example to the man. I appreciate it. All right, here I can touch the moon in your garment. I'll do it for you. Get your hand. All right, so. Let's uh, let's close it out with a little summary here. We got a quote, we got a comment. Yeah, I think important. Comment. You. You, you and the uh, conservative close. And yeah. the beard. I'm are, we, are we trying to? If we're trying to close out, that's fine. But I had a question. About no, please. Chapter five. Excuse me. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, bring it up, man. What do you got? Chapter five. No, because well, I know not everybody read it. No, I read it. I know. Okay. Um, are we not supposed to laugh? No, that's not my question. Oh, that was the question of chapter <laughs> well, five. I had. So there are three things, we were just the from chapter five, there are three things that detract from from uh, vigilance. Yes. Uh, preoccupation with worldly matters. Uh, we talked about that one before. Uh, and then levity and mockery. So in other words, mm, yeah. j- uh, jesting, or joking, and then cynicism, and then bad company. So, so, so before we move on, and since you read it, and... I did read it, by the way, but I didn't read it recently. So I remember these. So now quote me from the scripture to support all three of those without looking at the book. What's the Uh, first one? Preoccupation with worldly matters. So in Proverbs, if I'm a friend of this world, I'll be an enemy from God. The first one? Is that first, first John? Right? Yeah. Okay. What about the second? Uh, levity and mockery. Um, I mean, I can think of you know a wine like Proverbs wine makes. Okay. How about Paul? Uh, putting aside foolish jesting. Yeah. Yes. Coarse jesting. Coarse jesting. Yes. Depending on you. Well, well the bad company jesting. is all over the place. It is right. right. It corrupts. Good morals. That was right? also Paul. Mm-hmm. Psalm one. Actually, it's frivolity. 
and and um, ridicule or yeah yeah I need a better translation. My translation was yeah. laughter and levity. It made it sound like jo- joking, no, joking and cynicism. It's not and actually okay. the scriptures that it uses. It's it exactly the opposite. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's about being uh, cynical or ridiculing yeah. of spiritual so matters. So you're also just like you're making or actually in, in the what, what translation is actually in reference? They make reference to <laughs> the KJV. So whether you're ridicule people because of their desire. Like I mean, I, I think I see a lot of uh, um, conservative Jews doing that with regard to Orthodox Judaism. Yes, they say though they're nuts. They give a bad name to Jews and all that. I think that falls into this category where you're belittling the things of God and the the, the walk yeah, of the righteous. I don't think it's just belittling the things of God. I think I think there is a there is an attitude being conveyed in ridicule that actually is deeply harmful. To the person that it's ridiculed, it probably comes out to lashon hara. Yeah. Well, think about uh, it's even for worse, sure, right? Yeah, I think it's even it's even different from that. So even hurting them. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. think about last week's portion when we had Isaac and Ishmael. You know, right. Ishmael yeah. was metzachek, which has the same root as yatzak for laughter, yeah. but it was you know obviously a lot more than just jeering at him because it was very antagonistic. It was very hurtful. It was. It was very damaging. Mm-hmm. So it's so then, just like out of curiosity, that last one, the way you're describing it now, doesn't sound like anyone that I no, spend well, any time with. I think the ridicule section is is the second part of what he says. Joking, levity is the and mockery. The first one is levity, which is kind of just like yeah, the, like a happy, lucky, like I don't care about life, because he's constantly talking about how. Zerizut is paying attention to something, right. and so this is something that detracts from it. It's Almost not the paying opposite. attention. Yeah, You're not paying attention like to life at all. Someone you don't really care. Yeah, it lightheadedness. Yeah, lightheadedness. Or it's like a drunkard or an imbecile. But it's so impossible to imbue good, with good judgment. But you don't so take anything seriously. Life's not serious. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. you, some, you'll get correction, or you'll, you won't think about your deeds. This is just what does this stop you from thinking about your deeds? He's saying joking does. And, and quite frankly, joking don't, life. when not we were younger, funny. that's not what he's talking about. Don't, uh, don't we recall <laughs> saying things like, I respect that man because he's serious about fill in the blank. He's serious about his work. He's serious about his faith. He's serious about his walk. He's serious about his marriage, whatever it may be. You, it's, it gives you the sense of there's an importance there and he's giving some seriousness to it. So I had a question regarding that. Um, would sarcasm fall under that? I, I think some definitely will. Because I think that a lot of people in our day and age, there's a, my love language is sarcasm. Sarcasm is. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you say your love language is sarcasm? <laughs> Have you actually Christian heard college. somebody He's say that? I went to a Christian college. They said that? <laughs> they said a lot of it. They said a lot of it. Don't be cynical of Christian college. <laughs> my, my, my spiritual gift is a sense of humor. What's up? I'm guilty yeah. of that. Don't <laughs> you think sarcasm? That would make us in bad company. Sarcasm is a matter of dry humor. That's mm-hmm. that would put not that But sometimes understands it. Right, but sarcasm can cross the line to where it's like sure. that was somewhat cutting. Mm-hmm. Sarcasm becomes well, caustic. I would, I would, I would say just as a, a personal line in the sand. Part of my examination is to make sure since I tend to be a jerk more than most of you that I don't cross that line to where it becomes a personal attack and we started here five six years ago by saying 
the tzaddik never reminds mm-hmm. a Baal Shuva of his former sin. Well, I should, I should take that as a watchword that if there's something that I see that you're not doing as well as me, yikes, I'm already on shaky ground. Because mm-hmm. to make fun of it would be to do nothing but put you down and lift me up. And my wife and I are going through the other Musar book, which just did uh, humility. And humility was described in that book as keeping people equal. It wasn't putting yourself down and deprecating yourself or falsely lifting other people above you in order to accomplish the same end, but rather to maintain an equilibrium with people. So you may have a whole lot more study in X than I do, but I can always shoot better than you can. Absolutely. Right, so... The last part. Yeah, so... But anyway, that whole equilibrium <laughs> thing. So I think the whole sarcasm thing is, is in my mind, is becoming inappropriate for my walk more and more. Does that make sense? Are we gonna, no, yes. you're just bouncing. Uh, yeah. Yes? Okay. I, I think to best understand it, it's good to, tell, to, good to see how Scripture says what will happen if you do. Because in, in Jeremiah it says, do not ridicule lest your sufferings be intensified. So the idea, the idea is that um, in our in our process of life, God's constantly bringing circumstances in order to improve us, to right. teach us, right. to give us opportunity to improve ourselves. And when it comes to mocking or ridicule or looking down on people in in the way that we speak or even the way that we think about them, that's that's what we're do, we're we're essentially elevating ourselves. We're assuming God is at work in no one else except me. Yeah. And wow, that is extremely damaging. Mm-hmm. And it says, "Lest your sufferings be intensified." And the idea is that if God is constantly using circumstances to adjust us, wow, this is a pretty scary place to go. Yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. He will respond. Yeah, I mean, because He loves it. For example, Amen. I used to ridicule and make fun of Jews because they're you know it's all about ritual and whatever. <laughs> Now look at it. Look at you now. Now you are. Look what he's done. Your nose is getting bigger. You're making more money. Look at it. That was a joke. Didn't mean to ridicule. I thought it was. I thought it was. That was perfectly timed, actually. You know, sorry. You can, you can think about that later. Yeah, sorry. Use that wait, as a summary for chat. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to use that. Vigilance. Oh, for the, I feel like I'm in bad company. For the, for the Jews that are watching, I apologize. I, I was humor at the Jews' expense. Maybe follow up on that point and ask a similar question about um, being when you're examining your deeds. One of the things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. did you say damning your deeds? Examining. Oh, examining. Oh, okay. Oh, sometimes it can be the same thing. Sometimes it can feel like the same thing. Um, when you're examining your deeds, and particularly if you're paying attention to um, them, kind of live as they're happening, if you're noticing, because one area that I'm particularly concerned about is other people's reactions to you. And how do you, res- how do you examine yourself in light of other people's reactions to you while at the same time not taking regret and responsibility for everything that happens? Because I'm the kind of person where if I do everything exactly right, but someone else is put off by that, I immediately start assuming that I was wrong. 
I start feeling guilty, and sometimes it can put me in a bad mood I can, just because of that. And it's like, I may have been totally right, but I'll just assume I was wrong because they wouldn't have taken it badly if I didn't do something wrong. So I'd say two things to that. Number one, I can't remember anywhere in Scripture where I'm supposed to be concerned about doing right and being concerned about what other people are going to think about it. Secondly, you are not following what he is leading us down so far, which is to determine good versus evil before we commit an action. Based on the Torah. Based on the Torah. Not on what people are going to think, but what is good versus what is evil and doing the good. Period. Now we're done with that. And at the end of the day, we then reflect upon the action and we see what was the motivation. Was it a good motivation? What was good about it? And how can I continue to do that? Perhaps, in light of what you said, in spite of the fact that Sally didn't appreciate my comment. Or was my comment meant to lift me up, and in so doing, she was offended by it, something like that. So I, I just don't see where he's, at least at this point, promoting a as-you-go reflection after the fact. The it's chapter, more in the front. The end of chapter 5, he actually says the opposite. Therefore, I made my countenance as a rock, and I knew that I would not be ashamed. That if you say the right thing, do the right thing, then you don't have to. It doesn't matter what people think. Exactly. Right. So. But I mean, I think a lot of times in the grind, in the day-to-day stuff, um, I don't always, I don't always um, know exactly what's right in that moment. I might, for example, I mean, like if you've ever experienced anything when somebody corrects you in an area that you had no clue was offending anyone or bothering anyone or hurting anyone's feelings or whatever, and it's like, oh, well, I didn't even realize that that was, you know. Uh, making me look arrogant or hurting other people and so now it's like so that's what I'm just t- trying to say is that I think it's not so much in the areas where like oh well lying is obviously you know to protect myself is clearly wrong so I'm not going to do that but or you know I'm not going to like speak badly about this person to my neighbor because I just feel like it that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more like um oh that person took that really hard maybe I was like rude or maybe I, maybe I said it too strongly I know that's what I'm like. It's the nuance. It's not the big stuff, really. It's more like figuring out those gradients. Next time, be the wisdom. Yeah. I, again, I would I would review at the end of the day for that hour that he's talking about and see what happens. Well, you're next. Just on a very basic level, what was I going to say? That doesn't. <laughs> that's pretty basic. It's so basic. basic. I can't even just, remember just what happened. Just a look in Rick's direction. Right. Oh, it was right. <laughs> <laughs> it was just. It was just that with the whole sadness thing and stuff. That um, one of one of my teachers says that you should you should be happy the whole day. Like even if there's a reason to be sad, you just put off the sadness until the hour. Until it bothers you. So like it's okay. Like maybe you thought maybe I was too harsh on her. But don't get down about it right now. Just wait until the hour, and then get really down about it if it really was bad. Choose to be down. And then, so yeah, you just you can choose to be. The whole day is simple. Yeah, yeah. So. because it's so important to keep it simple. Well, I mean, Joshua, I actually had a recent incident that was very similar to what you just described, where I, uh, in response to uh, a question. I gave a response that I, I believe is the right response. Granted, could be wrong, but I believe it's the right response. But after the conversation, 
as I reflected on it, I thought to myself, hmm, that may have sounded like a rebuke to this person, which was not my intention. But as I reflected on it, I, I said, I could see how maybe that may have come across as a rebuke. So the next time I saw this individual, I said to them, hey, about that conversation we had, I was thinking about that and and I feel like maybe that came across the wrong way to you. And if it did, please accept my apology, right? So I think, but even though I felt like what I said was the right thing, right? So I think in those in those situations where, yeah, because I think you're trying to describe a situation mm-hmm. like that where, you know, your action is not necessarily wrong, except to the extent that maybe you uh, offended someone or whatever where you, where you didn't intend to, right? And I think that's where, um, I mean, that's where the reflection in that reflecting on our actions, the Spirit of God can illuminate those situations where maybe we need to address something, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the other key to the ingredient here is at the end of the day, there's also the element of Ruach HaKodesh operating in us mm. to um, to bring things to our to reveal our attention. Right? So. And just out of curiosity then, when you're doing that hippodidu and that focus, how do you um, pull the plug on the sadness? How do you keep from dragging it into the next <coughs> day or the next hour or whatever? You focus well, on the good. It was, Black, the, it was like we said earlier. You've judged yourself. Is not you you are good, saved by God, divine spark inside, and now you've judged yourself on that. And while you are remorseful over uh, that page is done. Now I start out clean slate, and here I go. You know, and if there's rectification you need to make, you make the rectification, right? But it's here we go. One of the, I think this parallels this um, in more of a general sense. The um, idea is that um, when you have it, I got this from Shalom Arush as well. Um, remember in the garden when Hashem asks Adam, where are you? It's not so much physical, but where are you spiritually? And mm-hmm. the cool thing about Rabbi Shalom Arush's books is that he actually gives you examples of if you don't even know where to begin to pray about this, start like this, and he'll give you this, God, this, you know, and, and give you a really great starting point. Similarly, there's a really cool prayer um, when he's talking about um, this whole idea of being honest with ourselves. It's like, okay, well, that person made, took it too hard. No, be honest with yourself and say, um, you know, I, I think there's some, something that everything that uh, every guy struggles with. Um, you know, women. All right. So, what's up? Never struggle. Okay. Well, it makes no difference whether it's a woman or a man. Well, the idea is that okay, we're we're being so honest with God that it's like okay, God, you know, I I you know I looked at I, I looked at this woman today and I enjoyed it very much, like too much so, and. I'm sorry, but that's where I am right now, and I'm, and I'm, I'm begging, please help me move past this. 
and it's just just completely leveling with God on everything because he already knows but the catharsis and the and the, the healing and the correction as it were takes place when we are when we can be honest with ourselves as well so when he's asking where are you it's it's that spiritual condition that says okay you know what maybe I am rude or maybe I am lustful or what whatever anyone struggles with we got to first level with it on a level of complete honesty before we can really move forward with it and so you know read Rabbi Shalom <laughs> All right. Did you have another question in chapter five, or was it? Yeah. So he just turned off my. Oh, <laughs> there's something oh, that I do about a righteous man in our midst. <laughs> you can think later so, why he did that. That's right. Both of you are going <laughs> to contemplate tonight. We'll practice with that one right there. That's right. Both of you, both of you, contemplate that. Okay. He said, what gives us vigilance? And it's a study of Torah. But what should that bring us to contemplate? I thought this was an amazing... There were several things. Yeah. Fear. Fear. The, The one that got me, the gravity... Of divine service. Mm. He's got angels. He's using me. And created this place. In order to use me. And you. And you. That's astonishing. Bring clarity. Yeah. So the bigger God gets. As we study him. His attributes. Who he is. And what he's done. The smaller we get. And we marvel even more at the opportunity and gravity of divine service. So to summarize, we contemplate every action before making it because we want to choose the correct path. It's like every time you're about to do something, there's two doors. There's the good path and the evil path. We always want to choose the good path. And then secondly, during our time of reflection, we want to contemplate each deed and determine first which door did I take did I did I go the right way if not what do I want to figure out what's the tactic well I should already know the right way how not to do that again what's my tactic to avoid doing that again this is what the sages teach when when have we truly repented when you face the same situation same obstacle same instance but now I take the right path. So I need to find that tactic that's going to make me take the right way. And it may be grabbing the phone and going, Hello, Pete, I'm about to take the wrong path yet again. There's Give me an idea. An it. There's always an option. Feel free to call me. That's a good option. I like that it's option. I just can never get you on the phone. That's a great option. Call me. Gravity of, the gravity of divine service reminds me of you know what we pray every day right which is 
right? Bring us near our king to your service. You know, and every day we're asking him to help us draw near to this to his service. Amen. You what you call temple language, right? So so we we want to contemplate each deed and first determine did we take the right path and if we took the wrong path find the tactic that will avoid that in the future but suppose we took the right path we just skip move on to the next deed make sure it was really right how did i do why did i do it what was the motivation for doing it how can i make this good deed a gooder deed exactly right right we want the good and then we want the gooder Good. Yes. I think you find that an hour is actually too short most of the time. That's true. You find yourself like, oh boy, the hour is up. I got to four o'clock in the day. Mm. The last couple hours, they don't matter. Let's just go to bed. So that's scary. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's scary to me. Um, He's right now. You know, bottom line, if we're if we're if we want to be in that top shelf of those who are drawing close to Hashem, then what's more important? What, what is it I'm spending my time on? My wife would like me to bring the van in. I don't think she means right at this moment, but someone remind me to bring the van. Oh, she just reminded me. Final comments before we close out. Excellent discussion. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, this is you know pretty much what I've got planned each week. Uh, by the way, I was going to read to you um, one of his uh, things from the uh, from the Talmud, but you guys knew it, saw it, and all that. So, um, but yeah, if you come having read it, studied it, contemplated it, and so forth, <coughs> um, these are these will be great discussions. Pete, How did, we can talk about this offline if you want, but. How do you want to do like the practical side of it? Well, I mean, you, you know, you and I were just you, you and I were talking about that last week. Um, is it possible? I think not. To do this without holding one another accountable. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just more theory. Yeah, and then at the end of the book, at the end of the year, at the end of the, you know, the next several years, as we're still staring at each other and longer in the tooth and grayer in the beard, we'll all be going. Well, your walk's just so consistently the way it was last year, which in the Christian church is a great compliment. And here is like, you pathetic loser. I mean, you're still the same. You're in the same place. I don't, it would be, but I was talking to myself. So, you know, I wouldn't say to you, but to me, you know, I I wouldn't want that. And I don't want that. I want to draw closer. But I, I think two things uh, come to mind. First is, if we're going to draw closer to Hashem, we will draw further from this world. That's true. And if you draw further from this world, then the riches of this world, rather than the riches of his kingdom, will also draw further away. So if you're on the fast track to be, you know, the president of the bank, or the president of of the country, or the you know, the, the next uh, Elon Musk, I think he makes perfume, yeah, actually. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, our our desires for the worldly things will decrease as our desires for... They, they will. Yeah. And if, if we're holding on to the desires of the world, 
it's just going to be like an anchor holding us back. And you can't do both. You just can't, right? If we choose to attach ourselves to the desires of the next world, yeah. he smites us with worldly. Riches right. Rich <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Man, I never recovered. <laughs> me with blessing. Eat, right? he, you know, in that regard, in that regard, my opinion of you and your wealth, I may think, well, that's all he ever thinks about. When in fact it isn't. And that's why that goes back to that same thing with derision and mocking. You have to be very careful. You can't examine other people. You don't examine that's true. yourself. Mm-hmm. And it you could can't be assume that Elon Musk, although he might, is consumed with the things of the world. Right. But it could be God's blessing because of his unbelievable good introspection, smell. good smell. Good smell. So, so musky. Well, it's possible I guess, that he I guess. was... It's just possible that he was a very stingy person in a previous incarnation and that now he's given the opportunity to provide correction for that being that he's been given great wealth. Great wealth is actually more of a burden than great poverty. Thank you. I, actually, I don't think we should s- suppose anything. We don't know. Precisely. We, about us. We, we don't know. And we don't know about salvation for other people. We don't know about their walk. All, we, all I'm trying to point out is if you, if you are grabbing onto this world with everything you've got, then you are not going to get a good grasp on the world to come. That's my point. So we're going to need to potentially refocus. The second thing is that um, if, if you desire to step up and have that time of accountability by yourself and reflect on the day and on every deed, then um, perhaps you want to be held accountable to that. And if you want to be held accountable to that, then if you'll let Pete know, we'll figure out a way to best keep you accountable. I'm thinking it may be a text or an email, or a phone call, or something, and we can kind of pass them around. So maybe this week Rick will be holding me accountable, but next week Rick will be holding Isaac accountable, and this week Taylor's holding Greg accountable, but next week Greg is, you know what I mean? And we can just pass it around. If you haven't made that decision to be accountable, we've got trained men up front. That's right. Right after service. Right. <laughs> every eye closed and every head bowed. Oh, Come on. All right. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Come right down front after service. <laughs> I see the hand. I see the hand. <laughs> you in the back. I see you. You in the back. I see you. I got you. I got you. And everyone's looking around. Nobody has their head. Yeah. He also owns Tesla. Tesla. Yeah. He's only worth nine point six billion. He owns Tesla Motors. He built the first electric car that's actually making money. And SpaceX, right? So he wants to have satellites out now. And Google just bought an airport. So talk about the cares of the world, eh? All right. All right. Bless. Let us bless. We get some wine. <laughs> to reflect. Exactly right. Um, I would close and talk about holy. I would, I would close with uh, with this one comment, and and that is that I was uh, I was truly amazed when uh, we got into this walk and we learned about the Balchuba and the idea that the Balchuba was accepted by the community as one who was a master of the return and he was starting from whatever point 
and you didn't remind him of what happened yesterday. It's just, what are we doing today? And let's move forward. And that has been a real encouragement to me, uh, coming in late in life and trying to keep up with you speed stars that are, well, a third my age in some cases, sometimes even more. Um, Seven. But did you notice that the other term he used in the book today, this week? It was uh, the Baal Nefesh. Mm-hmm. The master of the conscience. The master of the conscience. Right? Do you know the etymology of conscience? Con, with, science, knowledge. The master of the one who is with knowledge of his own deeds, his own actions, and how they affect his walk. That's what I want. So somebody hold me account. I thank you, O Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall. I guess that's at least a level two, level three kind of guy. We'll tell you about that after you listen to the tape, Rick. And you have not established our portion with idlers. Those guys aren't even on the list, I guess. For we arise early, obviously to contemplate yesterday. And they arise early. We arise early. Oh, not to contemplate, but for words of Torah. So that we can contemplate later that night. That's right. Because you've got to know good from evil. And they arise early for idle words. We toil and they toil. We toil and receive reward. They toil and they don't receive reward. We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come. And they run, unfortunately, to the pit of destruction. As it is written, And you, O God, you will lower them into the will of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for us, we will all trust in you. Amen. Amen.